This is the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast, where we bring on the experts to teach you the golden nuggets of real estate investing so you can escape the rat race and start living life on your terms. Now, here's your host, Dalen Hazel. Welcome back. I am very glad you're here because in this episode, you're going to learn all about how to scale a real estate investing business. You're going to learn from one of the best, Jorge Abreu. He has built and scaled multiple six and seven figure businesses. For example, he has built a wholesaling real estate business, a construction company, and now a large multifamily syndication group. So he has a lot to share in terms of building and scaling companies, building out those processes and systems that you are not going to want to miss this one. Um, But first, before all of that, as you know, here's today's golden nugget of the day. Today's golden nugget is make sure you are tracking your KPIs, key performance indicators. And as a tangible step, because I think a lot of people know they need to be tracking it, as a tangible step for you, what I do is I have created a Google Sheet that my assistant populates with information. For example, how many calls did I make last week? How many offers did I make last week? How many deals did I put under contract last week? Make sure you're doing this on a weekly basis and you're corresponding with your team and tracking these numbers. And in the event that you're down one week, go ahead and highlight that cell so that you know year over year, month over month, where you're kind of dropping in your efficiencies so that you can go back and correct this. And it's super crucial. Even if you are a one-man show, make sure you're having a meeting with yourself weekly to go over these key performance indicators because this will help you grow massively. It'll help you pick apart your business and know where you need to improve. I highly recommend this strategy. Can't stress that enough to review your KPIs weekly. So with that out of the way, I'm going to introduce today's guest. Today's guest, Jorge Abreu, has been investing in real estate for over 15 years. He started in single family and small multifamily, and eventually he worked his way up to large 100-unit multifamily properties. But before entering into large multifamily, he had wholesaled over 200 single family properties and he had fixed and flipped over 150 single families. He has developed and completed several new development projects and he has over $20 million in ground up construction. He also started and built a construction company, bringing over $30 million in yearly revenue and growing. He is now an active and passive full-time multifamily real estate investor. Jorge and his company Elevate currently have 3,049 doors and $275 million under management. His goal is to reach 10,000 doors by the end of 2022 by creating strategic partnerships and implementing the proper systems in place for scalability, which you are going to learn about some of those tactics today. So without further ado, here is episode 12 of the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. Welcome to the show, Jorge. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. Um, I was doing some research on you and I, I found out that you run a lot of different companies and a lot of different operations. Uh, you have a construction company, you've got a real estate investing business. So can you kind of give the audience a little rundown of what you're doing, uh, what companies you have and kind of where you're headed? Yeah, absolutely, man. I've got a, I guess it starts with the real estate investing. We invest in 
B and C class multifamily apartments, mainly 100 plus unit apartments. We also do some new development as well on multifamily. We have our in-house construction company that handles all either the CapEx or the new construction, depending on what type of project. We also do third-party work for other investors or developers with the construction company. I've got the investment company, the construction company, and then I've got some side ventures where I've got a couple um, e-com sites with Amazon and Walmart. And then um, I've got some software in the mix. Can't really say much about it yet, <laughs> but in the background working on on that. And then um, some education coming here soon as well. Well, that's really exciting. It sounds like you have a lot going on. One thing I want to talk about, well, the main topic of today's show is going to be scaling your operations, scaling your business, because I think you have a unique view on that. You've obviously started and scaled multiple businesses. And I want to talk about that specifically in real estate. Uh, I know you mentioned software and e-commerce, and that's awesome. But specifically, I think our listeners are interested in how do you scale, how do you grow a real estate investment company? I'll just kind of start it off and say, you know, I think a lot of people start off in the single family game, flipping, wholesaling and so forth. And I know you did that as well. So explain how you scaled that operation and eventually scaled your way out of it, basically. Yeah. It's interesting when it comes to real estate investing, because you see a lot of real estate investors that pretty much they grow it to as much as they can handle. And they don't really, you know, to me, that's not really a, a business. You're working in the business, so it's not really like you own a business. You can't turn around and sell that business if you wanted to. So, And some people are happy with that. If the investor is happy with that and, and they're going to grow it as much as they physically can, that's okay. But if you want to take it to the next level and actually scale that business and with the exit in mind, being able to sell it or whatever that exit is, to me, it comes down to systems and procedures and building a team pretty much. Those two things. And it's easier said than done. Those are probably the two hardest things. <laughs> and that's why there's only so many successful large businesses. Building the team in itself is very, very difficult. Finding those, those right individuals and also preparing them for success. I've learned a, a lot through, throughout the years. A lot of uh, mistakes I've made in, in the hiring process. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard the hire slow, fire fast it's true, man. <laughs> you really got to be able to do that. You know, I, I really take my time when, when hiring team members now, a lot more time than I, than I used to. And when somebody's not the right fit, I'm ready to make a move. You know, I, I don't um, keep them around just to keep them around, which that happens a lot with companies. To get back, you know, really on the question is, is real estate. So you've got to, if you really want to scale your real estate company, you've got to start breaking down every system or create a system and procedure for pretty much any function in that business and how you do your business. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do single family investing, but let's say something simple, let's say wholesaling, you know, that, that's, that's what you do. You wholesale properties. You don't actually purchase any of them. You just tie them up and you sell that contract. Every part of that can be broken down to a system. And then essentially when you document that and you have it either in right or on video, however you want to document, I think you should do both. Then it's easier to bring someone in and train them and, and have them kind of replace whatever it is you're doing, whether it's the acquisitions or 
for the selling of the property. So once you have that, then it comes down to finding the right team members and plugging them in, you know, making sure you've got the right, I haven't even gotten into like the right person or right culture within the business as you start building that. You know, you bring in one one bad apple, it can definitely spread spread throughout the team. So, you know, first thing when I'm hiring, the first thing I look at is do our morals align? You know, does is this somebody that when we just had a car ride to to Lubbock? I'm in Dallas. We went to Lubbock because we just built on our property there, and it's a five hour drive. We decided to take a, a drive with the with the team, and this topic kind of came up, and we're like, you know, just think before you partner with somebody, before you hire somebody, would you spend five hours with them in the car <laughs> and be okay with that? And so just making sure you've got the right person and the right seat that you're putting them in the right position that that's um, best for them to succeed and that you don't start try plugging them into something that's just not going to work. Yeah. You made a lot of good points there and that's a good litmus test. Uh, would you want to be in the car for five hours with them? That's, that's pretty <laughs> funny. Um, so what is that first role that you'd recommend kind of hiring out? Cause I know, at least in my opinion, it may be like the acquisition manager. People talk about like getting, go, go get your acquisition manager so that they go on the appointments for you so that they make the offers. But I don't know what, what was your like first critical role? We're not talking about virtual assistants here. Cause I think everyone at least needs a virtual assistant if they're doing any sort of business. Uh, but I'm talking about like first, uh, more employee kind of role. What does that role for you look like? In real estate, it was acquisition, like you said. And you know what? In the, in the construction company, very similar. The the estimator, the sales. Um, so you know the acquisition of the project, similar role. And and then from there, you know, I think that's the first bottleneck you hit when you're trying to scale. There's only so much deals you can bring in yourself. So and then it kind of just trickles down from there. You know, then the next bottleneck, at least for us, when it came to multifamily, was raising equity. So, you know, now we need somebody to help us um, with raising the equity and, and managing our investors and just doing that whole process. And then now we've got this large portfolio. Now we need somebody to help us with the asset management part of it. And it kind of just keeps going from there, right? I would say just look for those bottlenecks and then start preparing for them. And then once you need it, just be ready to, to bring someone on. Yeah, you're going to know when that bottleneck hits because you're going to get to the point where you can't handle as much. And I think a lot of people will stop there or say, oh, I can just work more hours. But that's like your business telling you that you need to reach that next level. Um, Bigger Pockets did a, a recent podcast on kind of the five. You, everyone knows about the core four, but like the, then the, he, Brandon Turner talked about like the five people in your multifamily business that you need. Um, and one of those was investor relations that you mentioned. Another one was asset manager. Um, and then you have to like your deal finder and underwriter. Um, and there was one other, I, it escaped to me, but yeah, I think it's different for multifamily. I'm sure. Um, than, than single family, like wholesaling and, and flipping. Um, so now if you have, you know, your acquisition manager, I, another bottleneck you probably reached was like the construction side. And that's, probably why I'm anticipating that you started your construction company. Do you recommend like investors start their own construction company to keep their project costs down uh, and get rid of that bottleneck there? It depends. I don't recommend starting any other business till, till you've conquered your own. If you 
got all those systems and procedures in place and 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 your company is is running really well without you then sure you know you can start looking at those things if i would maybe even look at um property management maybe even first um it was a little different for us because i started the construction company when we had single family and we were just doing fix and flips so my bottleneck became the construction not the management so when I went into multifamily, I already had that construction company. So that made sense, right? As we continue to grow our portfolio, in-house management is definitely going to be the next one. But it, it's a lot of work. I mean, if you don't have the systems in place and everything running smooth and you try starting another one, it, you're asking for a disaster. Right. So you're saying, you know, get one business to the point where you've got the people in place, you got the standard operating procedures in place, then transition to a new one. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So how do you find employees that a work hard? Cause we need that B they're smart, competent in their craft and then C, and I would say the most significant believe in your vision. So how do, how have you found employees that have those traits? They work hard, they're smart and they believe in your vision. Oh man, to me, it is by far the the hardest part of being a business owner. And I've done it all different types of ways. Um, you know, the the best is usually a referral. I've had a lot of success with, with, with that, you know, kind of just getting it out there that, hey, we're looking for this person. And then um, someone else referring us to an individual. And then there's the online sources, you know, those. I'd have to go back and look at our success rate. It's gotten better because of how much time we spend on the front end now. And, and um, we do several interviews. We ask real questions, real, we, we put them in certain situations and let them answer. I mean, an interview with me is going to be about 90% of you talking, maybe 10% of me talking. And I'm going to let them talk, talk, talk. And a lot of the times they're going to talk themselves out of a job for the most part. So referrals, online sources, um, you know, I think social media can, can be well too if you, if you use it for, for recruiting. We, we had some good success with that with the construction company um, and just overall being a good company. You know, once somebody comes to work for you, showing them that, that you care and that, you know, to me, my team is, is a priority. They're important they're, and they know that. You know, I make I make that known. Um, so then, obviously, they they talk to others and just get a good culture going. And then, okay. they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, you get more referrals within. Yeah, there's something to be said about being the company that someone would want to work for too. Rather, because if you just expect people to come to you because you offer them money, it's not always the case. You have to look like you know, be organized be respectful for your team and have those systems already in place. So um, I want to ask you like, how can a real estate business like ours, uh, whether it's small flipping company or large multifamily syndication, how can they um, separate themselves from competitors and find their unique advantage? In just overall in the market? Right. Like overall, because you, I know you've talked about before, you know, if you want to be, a company that scales uh, to what people dream about, you have to find your unique advantage or your unique proposition in the marketplace. So in what ways did you find that? Because 
I think a lot of times, you know, we kind of do the same thing, right? <laughs> we find deals, we underwrite deals, and then we close on deals. But how can we kind of start to separate ourselves as, as companies? Yeah, I mean, I think you need to find what, you know, I look at the business from, from every different angle. I'm an investor. So I know as an investor what I want from a construction company and what I would like that construction company to do. And then I'm also a passive investor. And I know what I want as a passive investor from the syndicator or the, the, the deal sponsor. And then I try to find what other groups are not doing. You know, hey, I would like to have this much communication and, and clarity and I'm not getting it from these other 10 syndicators that I've invested passively with, that is a space that needs to be filled. And that is somewhere where we can be different. We can come in there and and, um, provide more clarity, more communication. I'm just using that as an example, right? But that's what I would, you know, put yourself in your your client's shoes and, and really think about it, how you would want things done and then find what's in the market who's, you know, where is that space that is not being done and you can come in and and, and be different. Exactly. Yeah. Good points there. Um, So you're saying, you know, find your unique proposition. So listen to your customers, listen to your clients and then act on that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty simple, but uh, a lot of businesses. Not a lot of people do it. I mean, (laughs) we, we used to survey, not that we don't, anymore. I guess we just used to have a lot more clients on the construction side when we weren't doing multifamily, you know, just the quantity wise. So we, we would survey every, every client, you know, and try to see where, what can we do better? Um, and not a lot of companies do that. Yeah. And just as a tangible takeaway, just ask for reviews, you know, online, Google, Facebook, and, and see what your customers have to say, because that way you can uh, make improvements from there on up. So, as you have grown into these uh, multiple businesses and, and grown in your career, can you talk about the beliefs, the mindsets that you had to take on to do this? Because the traditional way of thinking about businesses, a person's like, oh, all excited about starting a business. And then they're just an owner operator their whole life. And they never can escape that. But I think what separates people like you is you have different beliefs and mindsets. So what are some of those? I think I've gone to each business knowing that I wanted to create a business, not be an owner operator, like you said. And I think that that's a huge difference, the way you you build it, the way you just conduct business in, in general. Um, so, you know, I think it starts there from the beginning when, when you decide you're going to open a business or go into business for yourself, you need to make that decision. Is Are you going to scale this? And is it going to be a large company? And if so, you need to start acting like it um, and treating it like it is. Um, and then mindset wise, you know, as you do that, you've got to realize you're, you're, you've got to be a leader, right? So you, you, you've got to show up every day. You, you've got to lead by example, the way you treat people, like you, you got to make sure your, your mind is in the right place on daily, every day. I mean, and that's, you know, I know some people have a lot of trouble with that and, and, um, Sometimes you can't show all your emotions. Yeah, you have to be willing to take responsibility for the failures of your team towards the customers because you can maybe discipline or uh, you know correct your employee behind 
closed doors or like in private, but when the customer's complaining or when the client's complaining, then you're kind of the face of that. You can't let your employee fall on the sword. You have to be the one to own up for that mistake and then do your best partnering with that employee to fix it going forward. So yeah, I, I want to also talk about scaling strategies because there's obviously tangible steps to this. You don't just wake up and have a multi-million dollar business. I know you talk a lot about standard operating procedures. Can you unpack that and how you have really built that out in your companies? What other standard operating procedures are like super crucial? You know, it depends on where you're at with your, with your company, but um, you know, obviously you have your, your, your essential functions just to keep the, the business going, right. You know, acquisitions, obviously. So everything you do for, for acquisitions from how you find the deals, how you, how you source them, what different sources, what your criteria is, know your criteria, have it in writing. Every time you find yourself doing something that you're possibly going to repeat at some point, you need to be able to stop and realize, okay, I need to document this. Um, and that's probably the hardest part, especially when, when, you're, when you're grinding, you're trying to build a business, you want to just go on to the next thing. So, you know, having that in mind and, and just separating the time to be able to do that is crucial. And that's, you know, I talked about acquisitions, but I mean, I'm talking about anything else. We're raising, we go to raise money for a deal. Okay, well, we need to put it into our investor portal. Then we need to create the drip campaign and, and active campaign. And then we need to, you know, all these things. It's it's the same thing over and over. Why are you going to reinvent it every time, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. document it and then you can easily, you know, right now my VA is putting our next deal today into the portal and creating the drip campaign and I'm not having to do any of that. I just got to review it, make sure it's right. And we're good. Yeah. You can find out how you can do hundreds of hours of work in a 24 hour day because you've have these people doing it for you because it's repetition and it's tedious. It doesn't mean it's not meaningful work. It's very important, but it just, it's not in your skill set because you're the person who's the visionary and the thinker behind everything. So any last tips about how we as real estate entrepreneurs can stop chasing the next paycheck, the next deal, and instead begin to scale our businesses efficiently and effectively? Several years where I would just head down, grinding, going at it, and then building it as big as I, as I could, right? And to me, the, the biggest thing is to be aware and to, and to just know that's only going to take you so far. If you really want to build the business, you've got to be able to slow down. And that means that, hey, you may not do one more deal this month. But you know what? What you did instead of that one deal is going to build you to do 20 more deals, you know, months from now. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's a lot to do with with mindset and being aware, and um, uh, start documenting all those all those systems, and and uh, in the long run, it'll, it'll pay off. Yeah. For example, if you have like a one hour weekly meeting with your team. Yes, that's one hour you're paying for that they're not working and producing. That's maybe less sales calls going on, but then it'll, it'll pay off for you like five to tenfold later because everyone's on the same page. We're moving forward together. We're thinking efficiently. So that yeah. is key to stop every once in a while, monitor your metrics, and don't always just be about chasing the next deal. 
because the next deal is always going to be there. <laughs> yeah. But you have to have the right systems in place to get that deal and many, many more. And I'm all about moving forward. Don't think that I'm, I'm telling somebody to just Absolutely. be paralyzed and, and create this massive systems and procedures and, and not do anything. I mean, you know, right. keep it going, but just reserve that time to, to build it at the same time. Sure. Well, this next part of our show, Jorge, is the triple threat. And we talk about the same three questions. So number one, I'm looking forward to seeing what you say about this because um, we talked earlier about some tools that you use to scale your business. So what's the number one app that has been the biggest game changer in your business? Let's spin it this way. What's the number one app that has helped you scale your business? That would be the CRM and, and uh, investor portal. So mm-hmm. we use syndication pro for our investor portal. That just makes things so much easier. You know, our investors can can go in and, and essentially invest in a deal all the way from beginning to end without ever even having to contact us. And then the CRM, which we use active campaign, which is also our email marketing. It just helps organize. You know, we have leads coming in daily. So it helps us segment that and just keep it all organized. Yeah. I would add um, loom.com is good to do screen sharing and put it in a folder so you can access it later. Again, Mm -hmm. CRMs are great because they're probably your biggest like way you can delegate tasks and keep track of everything in your multiple businesses. Um, yeah, to keep track of your database. I mean, we have a database of uh, over 10,000 contacts right now, and there's no way I'm going to remember all that. <laughs> yeah. What has been your biggest failure in the last year, and why do you think that happened? In the last year? Sure. Oh, yeah, it. I try to keep it a little bit short, uh, short time frame because. Otherwise, you could say, "Well, I got the I got the wrong degree in college, or something." You know, you can yeah, tell yeah, yeah. No, the just, things you did wrong twenty years ago. It's been a, a hell of a year, <laughs> or at least last year was. Yeah, it's um, it's just been a good year, man. I'm trying to think of. Uh, you Let's know, do it this way. What's been your biggest win in the last year? Our biggest win has just been starting this year. You know, a lot of us, all the work that we've been putting in. And all the things that I've been talking about, you know, the systems and procedures and everything has just started clicking and um, our pipeline is very healthy and uh, mm-hmm. we've got a good way of handling the deal flow we have, the portfolio we have. So, yeah, it's just it's it's been a lot of good things coming out of, you know, the crazy year we had last year with COVID, which if you want to look at that as maybe a negative, but at the same time, that also allowed us to really focus on, on operations. Yeah, I would add if your pipeline's full of leads, customers, then it's probably something you did several months back or years back. So that just goes to show that the systems you built are working. Question number three, our podcast is all about helping others achieve freedom with real estate investing, whether that's financial, lifestyle, otherwise. So what does freedom mean to you? Man, freedom to me is time. So I have three children, three little girls. They're five, six, and eight. They're only going to be young for so long, right? And I want to be in their life as as much as possible and, and influence, you know, how they they're raised. And to me, freedom is it gives me the time to to spend with them and and make the choice of how I want to spend my time. Versus, if you're not financially free and you're you're stuck to a nine to five for however many hours and 
whatever it is. Um, so that that's time is what that means to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a good answer. Well, we want to be respectful of your time here. So where can listeners get a hold of you? Um, they can, you know, if they go to our website, uh, elevatecig.com, got a ton of information on there, a lot of free content. Um, if they want to shoot me an email, I can also send them um, an arsenal of free content is what I like to call it. And the email is George or Jorge, J-O-R-G-E at elevatecig.com. And I uh, just mentioned this podcast. Yeah, great. You have a lot of good uh, content out there already. And you have some events coming up that people can learn about and attend. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um and, and thank you for sharing your knowledge about scaling a business. I think this is a, a good topic. It's much needed because a lot of people don't understand this side about real estate. Well, great yeah. having you on. Uh, thank you again, Jorge. Thank you for having me. Man. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. And tune in next week for the next episode.